us so that you know um, uh, finish the sermon on time but greetings to you all in the precious name of the lord and savior jesus christ thank you gerald for reading the portion out for us um you know we we as a church have been going through the whole counsel of god right the entire series and we've been looking right from the old testament to the new testament um yeah and last week jerry brother jerry spoke to us from um, the passage from philippians chapter 2 which spoke about the humility of christ and uh, today we're going to look into a different portion a different scripture that is from second timothy chapter 3 verses um, 14 to 17 and 4 verses 1 to 2 what we would be looking towards is this particular specific verse that all scripture is god breathed okay that portion itself is very profound all scripture is god breathed it's not breathed by anybody else but by whom by god himself it's as if god is telling us the portion you know god himself has breathed out scripture for us we would be right directly being getting into the passage this will be the focus verse for us today and i'm just going to read it out from the nkjv because um, there are multiple translations but the nkjv captures it well but the niv captures the word god breathed it is not there in multiple other translations okay so all scripture scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work we're going to actually um, you we're going to actually break this verses apart and just look at it from a from a sentence to sentence and we're going to see exactly what the scripture means you know the, a bit of context on this passage you know paul wrote the second letter letter to timothy from the dark and the damp roman prison in fact just before his death in ad 67 you know during the time in ad 64 there was a fire in rome and nero the emperor was looking at how uh, christians could be persecuted now timothy uh, on the other hand had been a faithful servant to paul you know this is in second timothy four years before paul had written the letter the first timothy letter to whom to timothy himself and timothy had worked closely with paul for close to a decade okay and ministered alongside paul for the duration of both the second and the third missionary journeys of paul such as troas philippi and corinth now was timothy um unfamiliar with what is happening at ephesus no he's been there he's been there for four years so paul writes his letter to this young leader or this young pastor in this church at ephesus to provide him encouragement and fortitude in the face of difficulties and trials that is when he's writing this specific letter to timmy and says my dear timmy i want you to in spite of everything happening around i want you to stand firm in the word of god You know, Paul understood that the ministry would only become all the more difficult after his death. There were there was trouble in Ephesus. There were difficult times. Behaviors of these elders were reprehensible. Their teachings were heretical. There were troublemakers in the church. There was quarrels. There was arguments. People left the truth. They became proud, and they loved money. In fact, Paul says that people acted religious. They were not truly followers of Christ, but they acted religious. they loved pleasure rather than god they loved themselves in fact false teachers came in imposters came in evil doers came in 
So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is describing godlessness that Timothy was already experiencing. But what does Paul encourage Timothy to do? Does he tell him to go sort out all these issues? But he says, hang on to scripture. Paul charges Timothy, make scripture central in his ministry. If out of the entire sermon, if anybody doesn't get anything, it's fine. But I'm just saying is, you know, make scripture the central part of your life. Nothing else, no experiences, not her says or what people have to, you know, people have to give opinions about the Bible, but make scripture the most central piece of your life. Now, looking at just the first part, all scripture is given by inspiration of all scripture is given inspiration of God. Absolutely right. So we're going to look at all, just the word all. Okay. Now, each and every last bit from cover to cover, the Old Testament and the New Testament includes all of scripture. These are not isolated letters or isolated portions that has been written out. All of scripture. Now, there are portions of scripture that we like, right? There's some easy parts that we love to chew on, like the faithfulness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. Those are those easy, right? We feel kind of good. You know, anytime we are in trouble, we look at these verses and we find so cozy, right? It's like a very, um, it's a very cuddly pillow that we like to hold on to, right? Psalm 145 verse 8 says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Amen. It also talks about God's mercy and faithfulness. God is forgiving. Another, another easy part for us to think about it. You know, Luke 23 verse 34 says that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Easy parts. There's some easy parts. We love to feel that, you know, that God loves us. But there are also hard parts, difficult parts of scripture. Example. You know, when claims of scripture appear to conflict with science or history, and that's been challenging even in the academic um, sense, even in India, right? That it's all evolution. It's a big bang. You know, it just happened, right? And it's constantly being bombarded in every way. You know, but Genesis 1 verse 21 says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 12 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Hard parts that actually challenges the thinking of the world. Some of the other hard parts is the choices we make to declare righteous living. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18, flee from all sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, don't give in to worry or anger. It only leads to trouble. Another tough part is that God works in the midst of evil to accomplish his good. When, when, you, when we watch the news, when we hear about what's happening, right? There's so much of evil that's happening. And in fact, evil is just becoming the norm. Nobody feels anything these days. But in Colossians 1, 16 to 27, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, invisible and visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. 
And James 1 verses 2 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So those are some of the tough parts for us to believe, right? Also, another challenge is that hard part is man is the head of the home. Marriage is important. Marriage is a covenant. It talks about parenting too. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. So brothers and sisters, just a, you know, just a appetizer. Okay, All of scripture is profitable for us. All scripture. There is not even a dot or a comma or a word that is that has no meaning. It has all meaning, including the easy and the hard parts. The next we will look is all scripture. Okay, that is the sacred writings or the or the holy scriptures. Even though Paul was speaking about the Old Testament in this letter, it applies to all the sixty-six books. You know, Timothy's father was a Greek man. Okay, but his mother Eunice and his gra grandmother Lois was Jewish. And they provided his teaching and his education from the Old Testament. They taught him scriptures. The Old Testament scripture gives wisdom to receive Christ Jesus. But in turn, Jesus Christ is needed to understand the Old Testament scriptures fully. So basically, from all of scriptures, it is the inspired sacred writings, the holy scriptures is important. The next part that we're going to look into is that it is breathed out by God. And I love this part. You know, when I was preparing, right, just to even imagine that God, today we were, today we were worshiping him. We were remembering about who he is. But this holy God would breathe out scripture so that it would change your life and my life. Isn't that amazing? That when he saw you, Santosh, he knew the scripture that is God with would be enough to change your life. And that is unimaginable that he would write a book to pursue Morris. And that is God breathed, okay? The doctrine of inspiration of scripture, meaning God is the source of scripture. It is breathed from God. God is fully responsible for his word. You know, um, my youngest daughter, Gabriella, you know, I don't know how many have seen this cartoon called Curious George. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. And then there's Paw Patrol. You know, there is another one called Coco Melon. And sometimes she gets inspired by what these, what, what these animation is all about. And she tries to imitate them, right? You know, Karl Marx, he wrote various books. We see Shark Tank sometimes. I know there are a lot of entrepreneurs sitting here. And we want to get inspired, right? But that is not the kind of inspiration the Bible is. That is not the kind of inspiration. You know, the Bible was written by approximately 40 authors of diverse backgrounds across the course of 1,500 years. From fishermen to physician, to tent maker, to shepherd, to tax collector. We heard about Zach yesterday, right? And many others. And I just want to say this quote. It says that God superintended the human authors of the Bible so that while using their own writing styles and personalities, they still recorded exactly what God intended. The Bible was not dictated by God, but it was perfectly guided and entirely inspired by him. The authors all present different perspectives, but they all proclaim the same one true God, the same one way of salvation, right from Old Testament to New Testament, that Jesus Christ is God. 
the central theme of the Bible remains the same. No human can manufacture that in 1,400 years. If any of you think, is the Bible really true? Get back to reading the word of God. Get back to reading the word of God. It will prove you wrong that the scripture is true. The scripture has life in it. 2 Peter 1 verses 20 to 21. I'm just going to read it out. It's right there. And, and it says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Brothers and sisters, look at verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So brothers and sisters, as we open the scripture, anytime, anytime, remember this has been breathed out and inspired by God. This is not written by any man because he had time. No, this is inspired by God right from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, when we look at this, we also have to understand there's no difference between reading the Bible and like Jesus standing next to Sam and telling scriptures out. The spirit of the Lord is even present with each one of us as we look into scripture. The next portion that we would be looking at, just moving to the next part of that verse. So we looked at all scriptures given by inspiration of God. God breathed. But what does it do? Is it, um, does it have any value? What does the word say in scripture? Is, it is? Uh, it's profitable, right, George? It is profitable. It doesn't say, you know, it's going to, it's going to have loss. It's unlike the businesses of this world. It's unlike, you know, sometimes we do ventures and there is loss, but the word of God has been a champion right from the time it has been birthed by God and, and, you know, um, and, and breathed out by God. It is profitable brothers and sisters. If any one of our dear ones do not spend time, including all of you kids, you know, Sunday school is profitable, not because going to Sunday school is profitable, because what you teachers teach from the word of God is profitable. Okay, kids? So all of you love scripture. Okay? I? Yeah? Okay, good, good. Okay, there's some hands. Sunday school teachers, they're listening, okay? No, so it is profitable. Now, I just want to make a, you know, just a statement here. There are implicit truths in all of scripture, right? There is truths. No one can actually... Um, no one can actually say that is, that is not true of scripture. If all of scripture is given by inspiration of God, that means scripture is true and reliable. If it is God breathed, that means it is true and reliable. God is true and therefore whatever he says is true, brothers and sisters, irrespective of the journeys that we go through in life. But at the same time, it is also authoritative. You know, God is a holy God. We have spoken about him being the judge. That means he is authoritative. You know, Lamentations 2 verse 17, A says, The Lord has done what he has planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. Ezekiel 12 verse 28 says, Therefore say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, declares the sovereign Lord. It carries the authority of a holy God. You know, if all of scripture is inspired by God, 
it is also permanent. It is also eternal. You know, 1 Peter 1, 23 to 25, we know this was the grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You know, everything would vanish. We would all be gone. We would all be gone someday and our next generation will come. They could be gone. Their next generation, but the word of the Lord will remain. Authorities, garments, you know, principalities, you know, everything will go off, but the word of the Lord will ever remain because this is the same word that created everything from nothing. So it knows the word of God can truly fulfill what it will accomplish. So it is permanent and it is eternal. Now, if all scripture is inspired by God, another implicit truth is it is powerful. It is powerful. It is not like any human strength. I remember a couple of camps back, we had an arm wrestling um, competition in our games. Uh, you know, you remember? It was a huge arm wrestling competition, right? Among teams, yeah. But it's not like that, okay? God is powerful. It comes from the word of God, comes from an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God. The same God who spoke all of creation into being is the same God who's speaking to you and me now. And it's the same God who speaks to you in your time with him in the morning when you spend time with him or in the evening. Even in the cell group, it is the same God who's speaking to each one of us. Now coming to the next portion, it is also profitable for doctrine. In a basis for determining what we believe and rebuke those who believe differently or against the word of God, brothers and sisters, it is very important for us to know why we believe what we believe and the source of it. It is not like we like authors or books or the likings or the inclinations that we have. You know, be cautious that just like the elders and the people who got sifted by the wrong teachings, that can also happen to us. So we should be very clear, young men and young women, the singles, you know, the kids, all of us, let's be sure about what we believe and why we believe in it. You know, the world teaches pluralism, right? There are many ways, right? Right? There are many ways. And there are many gods and many, many ways to appease the gods of men. You know, but what John 14 verse 16 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is profitable for us to study the word of God because it helps us to know exactly what we believe. You know, it, the world teaches to earn your salvation, right? Isn't that true? Earn it. You know, do various things and earn it. Go ahead and earn it. But Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, it is for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. The world teaches you to compromise on your purity. And the prosperity that this world would bring. But brothers and sisters, the word of God is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Looking at the next point, you know, all scripture is useful for righteous living. From judges to Leviticus, you know, sometimes you remember, you know, this person begat, this person, this person begat. By the time you are on the fifth begat or sixth begat, you're lost. But you know what? There is truth. There is truth even in those portions. There is truth even in those names. There is truth even in the genealogy of Christ. So all of scripture from the minor prophets, the gospels, to the acts, to James, everything is profitable for reproof and correction for instruction too. And it confronts unbiblical behavior and encourages us towards righteous behavior. 
world says fit in, fit in, compromise, fit in. It's okay. Nobody will know. But Philippians 2 verses 15 says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. James 4 verse 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is just not about purity, but it is about being careful that you could get, you know, you could be, I mean, I'm just saying that we could get um, tempted by the teachings of this world. So church, if the scripture, if all scripture is breathed out by God, then let us also believe these implicit truths that it is true and reliable. It is authoritative. It is permanent. It is powerful. It is profitable for doctrine and profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. You know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he gives a quote. He says, what gives you conviction of sin is not the number of sins we have committed. And we sang that song today. It is the sight of the holiness of God. And how do you get a sight of the holiness of God? There's a word of God. The next portion. Um, so we looked into all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is God breathed. And we also saw that there is a profit to it, right? It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Now, what is the end result? Is there, isn't an ultimate result for a person who follows that all scripture is God breathed and is profitable? What is it? What, what is the outcome? Someone said, yeah. Yeah. So that man may be complete. And this portion says that the man of God may be complete. It doesn't say, um, it doesn't say that, you know, you can be complete. It says the man of God may be complete. You know, the man of God, Paul, he uses a technical term for terming an official preacher of the truth. Okay. There is a, there's a weightage to the entire thing. And in fact, even though he writes this to Timothy, it is an implication to all Christians, men and women. It is not that a, a man who preaches his own ideas, opinions, or teachings based on convenience, or is also a false teacher but a man who speaks the word of God and the oracles of God based on the foundation from the word of God. And he also says it's complete. Paul makes it clear that salvation and the study of God's word should result in what? Holiness. So if this is the ultimate result, what should be our response? Okay, just a couple of them. There will be multiple responses. See, we want to encourage you that even in your cell groups this week, you know, there are multiple ways that you can actually encourage each other of how we can learn this portion together, multiple applications, but just putting out a few of them. Our response is have the right view and the right intent to study scripture. It is not a literature book. It is not a book of stories and legends and wars. It is not a story that talks. It's not a book that talks about various other things. It is not a book that when I feel sad, I just want to take the Bible and just read it, just open it and just read a portion. Brothers and sisters, as we studied, all scripture is God-breathed. So the Bible is the holy word of God. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says that every word of, every word of God is flawless. 
is flawless. There cannot be any diamond in this world that can ever say I'm flawless. But the word of God is truly flawless. You know, during your time with the Lord, during your devotion time, or you are preparing uh, for a study or your devotion time, do you stop with the words and do the words, word of God carry you into an encounter with God himself? If Georgie is spending time reading his Bible, does he encounter Christ there? Does he encounter a holy God inspiring him to be a man of God? You know, if brothers and sisters, if you do not fully believe scripture is true, right from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you will never fully trust it. You will never fully trust it. So let's read, reflect, and learn and study scripture as if Jesus himself was teaching us on a daily basis. Isn't that amazing? You know, that the holy God, the God who breathes scripture is teaching, sitting next to us and speaking to us the word of God. The second, um, the second uh, point of what our response could be is internalize, internalize implicit truths of scripture personally and rightly influence people with the word. Now, where did Timothy get his influence from? Anybody? Just, just, just. Pop quiz. Anybody, where did Timothy get his influence from? I know you might be looking at the notes, but I just want to hear. Um, yeah, there was no Sunday school at that time, but someone was teaching him. Yeah, yeah, his mom and his grandmother, their names? Ah, Lois and Eunice. You know, what a call for grandparents and parents to be just be willing, you know, just to teach their grandkids uncles, aunts, right? Just investing with them. And, you know, Timothy, this young man, you know, Paul, um, Timothy learned from childhood from people he trusted. Second Timothy 2 verse 5 says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives also in you. That evidence, I can see it here. You know, Lois and Eunice played a foundational role of teaching scriptures to Timothy. The other thing I just want to bring out is, who was mentoring Timothy? Paul, correct? Paul was mentoring Timothy. And as I was studying this portion, right, I, meaning I, I couldn't connect um, this, but it just made so much of sense. And I just want to share it out. You know, Paul as a mentor lived up to his teaching. You know, in the early letter of 1 Timothy, he, verses 1 to 18, he tells Timothy, fight the good fight. He tells Timmy, Timmy, spar well, man, spar well, fight the good fight, okay? But in this letter, that is 2 Timothy, after four years, Paul turned the phrase onto himself. Now, he's telling Timothy, fight the good fight, but in 2 Timothy, he's telling that, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. Isn't it amazing? That I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. What a great encouragement uh, would have been to Timothy that his mentor boldly modeled his perseverance in faith even to the point of death. Timothy had great influences in his life. The third point is aspire to be a man of God who teaches the truth and preaches the gospel. And I want to take the freedom to just encourage the men in CBF we don't have the freedom to preach our ideas because that, is, that can be sinful. You know, in our spirit-enabled ability, let us preach and teach what the word says. 
you know, all time we men must be equipped with the word of God in season and out of season. You're called to be the head of your home. Is there any brother sitting here who's allowing your wife to be the head of the home? That's something wrong there. You be the head of your home. You must preach and teach the words to your family. Let your wife and your children see your devotions. Let them hear your prayers to God. You know, God is looking for faithful men to whom he can entrust the proclamation of the gospel. Men of CBF, are we teachers of scripture in our homes? Or do we give that to Sunday school teachers? Our ministry starts at home. Do we teach our wives and our children? Young and old, all of us, do we internalize the truths of scripture and be willing to teach these truths to others and share the gospel? If there's any men in CBF who are, who are silent in these areas, it's time to get up and be the, the leader of your home. Coming to, the, coming to the, uh, the end portion of that verse, it also says, equipped for every good work. Scripture may not tell us everything that we ever want to know. It's not a mythical globe. You know, you hold it, you hold it, and suddenly everything gets revealed. It's not that. It'll convict you, will teach you, it will guide your steps. It will not tell us our future, but it promises that it will direct our steps. A man can plan his ways, but it is the Lord who directs his steps to God-honoring living. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So brothers and sisters, if there's anyone over here sitting, saying, Lord, I need direction. I need direction. Yes, there is counsel. There is wisdom in counsel. But go back to the word of God and it will direct your steps. I personally have seen it. And I'm sure that many of our dear ones have seen it here. You know, sanctification, uh, yeah, the application out of this, sorry, the application out of this, what is our response? Is that believe that scripture is sufficient for salvation and sanctification. Sanctification demonstrates the urgency to be emptied out of anything that impairs against being a useful vessel for God's glory. That's what sanctification, it empties us out completely. And the word of God fills us up to be a useful vessel for God's glory. It's a process that starts in the heart and transforms outward living. The Bible is the instrument that God uses to clean our hearts. You know, no detergent would work. No detergent would work. We know, we remember today his sacrifice, but it is a Bible and studying the word of God that changes us. John 17 verse 17, 17 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10. I'm just going to read verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And in all of this, when we're equipped for good work, it is not for our own, but it is the, for the works of God. The last response that can be expected out of us is that good work resulting out of firm belief and faith about the sufficiency of scripture through lives, journeys, and experiences. And um, I have to say before I finish this point is that some of our dear brothers and sisters have been um, very gracious. Uh, I'd asked them for a few journeys of their life with scripture and they have shared. Many of you have shared, but I've only taken a few due to the lack of time. So I pray that even as we, as I would be sharing it, that it would be an encouragement to us all. You know, lived out truths expressed in the Bible. 
there are many who have seen that the scripture is true. It is self-validating. It is self-validating. Okay, it was not written, written for one particular season, for one particular person, but it validates in each one of our lives, including in our children's life, if they believe in that. As an expression of faith, we live our lives pressing forward and victoriously in all trying circumstances. Philippians chapter 3, 12 to 14, I'll just read it. It says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not fully achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We looked at the five responses. These notes will be sent out. Okay, these notes will be sent out. You can you can look at it, look into it, and even in your cell groups, there can be multiple more applications you can pull out from the scripture. Now, I just want to take some time to share a few examples of how scripture was a strength to the church. To many of our dear members in some of the most difficult times and how their faith in the word of God blessed this church until today we can clearly say that they were dependent on the word of God. You'll be looking at a few verses. Isaiah, 40, Isaiah 54, 11 to 14. It says, O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, from terror which shall not come near you. A few years back, one of our dear members went to be with the Lord. Unexpected and sudden, she went to meet her Savior. She was a strength to this church, an older sister to many of our sisters in our church. She was a woman who prayed, a woman who raised her children up in the fear of the Lord, who loved her husband and was an example to many of our sisters, including my wife and many of, many of you who know. She left her dear husband and her children here with us. This dear brother found immense strength from the word and his dependence of God and still ministers to our church to this day. Not knowing of what the future holds for his children, he trusted God, brothers and sisters. And especially in relation to his children, that is the verse that he held on to, that all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Scripture is alive in the presence of our church. Luke 23, 41 to 44. This is about the criminals who were there on either side of Jesus, right? And there's a conversation that is happening between Jesus and these criminals. That portion that is highlighted in red, one of the criminals says, we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. You know, there's a young man in our church being the only child to his parents, cared and loved them dearly, even today. In his time being with the church, he realized the need for a savior. As few men encouraged him and walked with him in his journey, faith journey, he stood firm and acknowledged Christ as his savior and boldly with conviction obeyed the Lord in the waters of baptism. This at the risk of how his family and grandparents would accept him. Today, his love for the Lord and for the church is experienced by many. 
one of the this is the verse that stood out for him and led him to salvation scripture is god breathed romans 8:28 you know a young family in our midst was hoping and waiting for their daughter to come home they have been waiting for years and praying for her timely arrival well she did she's not here today but uh, but she did and she's right in our midst and what a little light she is to her brother her family her grandmother and to all of us in church and a clear demonstration of the gospel and a reflection of the doctrine of adoption that this family portrayed to their extended family and to the dear ones in church and this is a verse that they held on to especially you saw how scripture is so unique all things all things pertaining to her all things all things pertaining to for them as a as a family and we know that all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose numbers 23 was 19 a young sister again who in our midst who seen and experienced the mighty hand of god in her life right from a young age this dear sister experienced a difficult time during the past year but hung on to god's word and his promises even when all the plans desired for didn't come to pass in god's plans she explains this is what she writes okay she explains that god led me every step of the way provided everything she needed from courage to wisdom and resources emboldened her through words of encouragement from friends and prayer partners to keep going and god replaced my sorrow with joy this is a verse that stood out for her that she would be clothed with strength and dignity she can laugh at the days to come so unique right we might read through the scripture but it might you know it will definitely have an impact in someone else's life and probably in our lives and as we read through this is another verse luke 8:20 to 25 by the way this is not this is this is real life examples from cbf okay this is not made up the question where is your faith this is the point where uh, the disciples thought they were perishing and there was the wind and the raging water and jesus calms it right but he said to them where is your faith you know one of our dear brother and a minister of the church struggles with a unique health issue due to this his health has taken a toll and has to be very careful of what he eats and consumes yet in these not so pleasant and challenging health issues he and his family look at these difficult circumstances through the lens of this verse that these difficulties in this life is god given gift and they present opportunities for him and his family to see the power of jesus christ in their life we praise god for their faithful service to this church selflessly in many ways last some 27 verses 13 it says um, i would have lost heart unless i had believed that i would see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living you know one of our dear families experienced excuse me one of our dear families experienced unimaginable loss when the newborn son went to be with his heavenly father we as a church mourned sorry jaji could you help me out you know we as a church mourned and grieved with them 
a year later, even through the sadness, they got to know about the joyful news that they were expecting twins. Fear and uncertainties gripped them. There were complications in the pregnancy and in times when everything seemed uncertain, they clung on to this specific verse, brothers and sisters, in blind faith that they will witness God's goodness in the land of the living. Today is such a joy to have these two little ones in our midst. Why have the joy of calling them my nieces? Brothers and sisters, scripture is alive. Scripture is alive. It is true. We all have testimonies to share about how scripture has come alive. At the end, I want to just share about how scripture has come alive in CBF, but scripture also has power to change history. Most of you would know John Newton, right? John Newton. Um, you know, he wrote this song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know, the word wretch, many songwriters say that is not the apt word to put in the song. It was a hyperbole or a bit of dramatic thing, but John Newton was clear that word reflected his life. He was a wretch. Newton was nurtured by a Christian mother who taught him the Bible at an early age. His mom passed away at the age of seven and he was raised up in his father's image. At age 11, Newton, age 11, you know, age 11, we have so many 11 year olds here. Newton went on for his first of six sea voyages with the merchant navies, merchant navy. He lost his first job because of unsettled behavior and impatience of restraint. And this issue persisted for so many years. You know, in his teen years, he joined the Royal Navy but he scooted from there because he could not handle discipline. You know, he remained arrogant and insubordinate and he lived with moral abandon. This is the words of John Newton. He says, I sinned with a high hand. He later wrote, I made it my study to tempt and seduce others. Soon he joined the slave trade. You saw, you saw how sin can snowball, roll, roll. He joined the slave trade. But God had purposes for him. Just like Zacchaeus is a shared, God had purposes for him. You know, he served with the captain uh, of, a, of a ship called Greyhound, which was a Liverpool ship, and was in 1747, on its homeward journey, the ship was overtaken by an enormous storm. A storm that could destroy him, the cargo, and everything. You know, during that time, I don't know whether it was in the storm, but he was reading a book called The Imitation of Christ. And his mind at that time took him to this particular verse in Proverbs. We might have read through this verse, right? But can you believe that this verse comes strongly to a man in a storm? And if you read it, it's about the beckoning heart of God towards, an, towards a sinner. And he says, because I've called and you have refused, I will laugh at your calamity. This verse led John Newton to accept Christ in that storm, in that ship. He continued as a mate, as a captain of slave ships, hoping that he could promote the life of God in the soul of both his crew and also his cargo, that is slaves. But soon God convicted him that he became increasingly disgusted of the slave trade and his role in it. 1769, John Newton began a Thursday evening prayer meeting. 
And for every week, he wrote a hymn in that prayer meeting. And out of those prayer meetings came the amazing song, Amazing Grace. How The other song is, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. You know the other song, Oh, for a Closer Walk with God? And a common song that we sing in CBF, There's a Fountain Filled with Blood. It came out of his, you know, after his conviction of sin, and he wrote these scriptures. He wrote these songs that even we sing today in CBF. 1787, John Newton wrote Thoughts Upon the African Slave Trade. And this particular writing inspired a man called William Wilberforce to put the campaign, who campaigned to the end of the cruel slave trade practice. Scripture can not only change you, but can also change the course of history. Believe it. Believe it. It's true. Coming to a close. Now, when we look at scripture, it feels a little different, right? All scripture, and I want us as a church to read it out together if we can, with prayerful heart, including our kids over here. Um, I would encourage you to read this portion out right now. Let's say it together. Let that be our prayer, that we will be able to take this little one verse and apply that. Because it is God-breathed. It is profitable. It will make us to be a man of God who will be complete and equipped for every good work. Can we do that as a church? Yeah. And close. Um, you know, I'm just reading out something that I really liked and I want to challenge us as we, as we hear it, which I felt was relevant to this portion. I request all of us to just close your eyes, um, reflect of what we heard today what we learned today. In your cell groups, expand and break it much more further and enjoy that rich nutrition that you would learn from each other. You know, the most repeated question by Jesus during his ministry was, have you never read? Have you never read? You know, under that simple question is a life-altering implication. You should read the word of God. That's why Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knows that there is a spiritual hunger inside of every human heart that can be, only be satisfied by consuming the words of God. Members of CBF, visitors who are here, who are online at the same time present in WCI, give yourself to the word of God. The word of God is a rock. Strong and steady. It does, it, it does not budge, break, or crumble under pressure. The word of God is an anchor in the storm, keeping us calm when everything around us is chaotic. The word of God is a mirror, showing us who we really are. You know, you just don't read the word of God. It reads you. The word of God is a treasure, beautiful in every dimension, and brings endless joys and eternal riches to all who find it. Brothers and sisters, the word of God is a fire spreading across the world to bring heat and light to those perishing. The gospel, even as we speak, is going out to the nook and corners of this world. The word of God is a seed planted deep inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of holiness and righteous living. The word of God is a sword dividing true and false, right and wrong, good and evil. The word of God is a hammer crushing what needs to be crushed and breaking what needs to be broken.
The word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to show us our path. So church, dear ones, let the word of God be the first and the last and the loudest voice in your year today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your whole lives. Give yourself the word of God, CDF. Love the word of God and give yourself to the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is, is, is powerful. Your word is convicting. Truly, it's a light in every aspect of our life. Without it, without it, Lord, it is like equivalent to being blind of how we will live our lives. Thank you, Lord, as we remembered you today. What a great sacrifice that you had paid for us, Lord, on the cross. But yet we want to thank you that even as you saw us just like Zacchaeus, you also purposed for your word to be complete, to be tested and proved, so that it would continue to sanctify each one of us who you pursued, Lord. We pray for many of our dear ones today, Lord. Lord, if there's anyone in our midst who do not know you, as the word of God beckoned to John Newton, Lord, in that calamity towards confessing his sin, we pray that many of our dear ones who would be sitting here, who would be just testing to see if this is true, we pray that they would turn to you, Lord. Even in their storms, even in their wanderings, that you will find them, Lord. We pray for if there's any one of our dear ones, Lord, that is contemplating another faith or another belief, oh Lord, that they would find their answers not in the wisdom of man, but in the wisdom of God. They will go and search it out, Lord, and find it, Lord. We pray that we as men of CBF would be godly fathers and husbands studying the word and imparting the word to our children, Lord. We pray for our grandparents and our mothers that they would be like Eunice and Lois, Lord, teaching scriptures, Lord. Father, we want to thank you that you give us as a church the desire, the true appetite, spiritual appetite with a holy calling, Lord, to study and be focused on your word. Thank you for speaking to me, Lord, personally. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to each one of us. Thank you that your word is alive in the midst of CBF. We pray this by faith. We bless your word because it is eternal. In Jesus Christ's most precious name we pray. Amen.